You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. We're going to shake things up a little bit today. Y'all okay with that? Yeah? You good with the shake-up? This is a typical, uh, typically we don't do the message right after the first song, uh, but today is not a typical day. Uh, most days in the kingdom of God are not typical days. They are not ordinary days. They are extraordinary days. And so uh, we're going to tap into some extraordinary things today. Uh, in all truthfulness, uh, today we were supposed to have a keyboard player that was going to lead a beautiful song from the keyboard. And last night, that old uh, virus, still hanging around for some reason, uh, came in contact with her. And so we had to, sh- we had to shake some things up. And so uh, 10.45 last night, we started reshuffling the deck. And uh, I had already had the intention of preaching a message or sharing my heart on worship. And we thought, you know what? Let's just change everything. Let's shake it all up. And so I want to I share some things about worship that I have on my heart. And then we're going to go back into a time of worship. Uh, and just trust me, if you're looking at the clock because you have lunch to get to, we won't keep you any longer than we normally do. Amen? So you can deep breath. Amen. The football game wants to be on when you get home. Jesus, help the freaking Dallas Cowboys. What in the world is wrong with those guys? And I'm not even going to go there. I told you I'm not going there. Anyway, um, I want to talk, talk about worship. Uh, I, I want you to just engage for, for the next uh, few minutes. I want you to just shift your expectation uh, onto what you thought you were going to get at church and onto Jesus. Jesus will give you so much more than you ever expected when you look at him. Uh, we have this expectation. We have these preconceived ideas of what church is supposed to look like. And um, sometimes it meets our expectations. Sometimes it doesn't. But I believe that if you'll engage yourself for the next several minutes, that, that you'll get some revelation. You'll get some downloads from God about what worship looks like in, in your season of life. Uh, growing up, I've shared this many times, but... Uh, this is my, kind of my salvation story, and, and I've shared it a lot of times, and I never get tired of sharing it. You should never get tired of telling people how you came to Jesus. Amen. It should be the thing that you never can exhaust. Never get over getting saved is what Robert Morris of Gateway Church says, and I love that. But my relationship with God was non-existent growing up until April 23, 2005. I hadn't been in church. Uh, I wasn't raised in church. I could count on three fingers maybe. How many times I had been to church in my whole life up until I was 21. And I I was invited by a friend to go to this service. And this guy's services, there was a history of God showing up in mighty ways at these services. And so I I said, listen, here's the thing. He goes, listen, here's the thing. If you'll come to this service with me and see what happens. He said, see what happens. If God doesn't touch you, I'll never bother you with church, God, Christianity, things again. As a heathen, I'm like, deal, because I'm tired of you infringing on my, my heathen attitude over here. I'm, I'm having fun living the way that I'm living. And he's like, listen, if, if you don't feel something change, I'll never bother you again with this. And so we go to, to Oklahoma City to the service. And even as we walk up to this building, this giant arena, there's already a buzz in the air. There's already this anticipation and, and it was like people were already, it was like people were already worshiping the Lord. They weren't even in the building. And I'm like, what in the world did I walk into? This is weird. This is weird. Who are these people? 
I get into the building and, and this anticipation, it just continues to grow and to grow and to grow. And, and, and so quickly, 10 to 12,000 people are gathered in this arena in Oklahoma City. One of, the, one of the funniest things about this story is the night before, Motley Crue played this venue. So it's like on Saturday night, shout out the devil, on Sunday night, Benny Hinn Crusade. <laughs> it's quite, quite comical. I found myself as this person that was trying not to believe so that I could win a bet, showing up at a miracle healing crusade, which you're kind of already, you're kind of already behind the eight ball when you show up to a miracle healing. If it says miracle healing crusade on the flyer, there's a good chance that you're not gonna win your bet, Cody. And so the rest is, this is obviously history, but this crowd begins to grow 10 to 12,000 people and I'm just kind of watching and I'm spectating. I'm spectating with the attitude of, I am not going to feel a single thing. I'm not gonna do it. Not gonna feel it. Don't touch me, because I'm not gonna feel, I am not here to feel anything. I am not a feeler. I'm literally saying all the things, you know, like everything I can to not have to give in to. When you're living in sin, it's kind of fun living in sin. Y'all don't agree. It was, until you tasted something better. I was having fun. The life that I was living seemed to be the most fun, seemed to be the most limitless life that I could possibly think to live until I, until I had this moment with God. And so people start worshiping and worship starts happening and, and I'm noticing like, once again, like I have no grid for any of these things and I see people with their eyes closed and some have their hands raised and some are on their knees and some look like they got hit by a train because they're on the ground in worship. I'm like, what is happening? This is getting weirder and weirder. How long is this thing gonna last? A long time actually is the answer to that. Hours upon hours of this. And this worship just continues to grow and this, this atmosphere continues to just get so, so, so thick. It was like, there was a warmth in the air, but I wasn't hot. It was like there was a breeze blowing through, but I, I never got cold. It was like there was these things happening around me that I didn't have words for. And then this, this crazy thing happened. I just let myself go. Like I had been to concerts before. I had let myself go in a lot of ways. <laughs> I know what it looked like to let yourself go. I was good at it. I had seen concerts, I had acted wildly at concerts, I had sing till I cried at concerts, I had worshiped, so to speak, the person and the gift that they had on their life. I had been in moments like that, but this was not the same. It was like these people were worshiping a God that obviously they couldn't see and it just was mind boggling. So I'm like, okay, if by chance, which I'm not saying there's a great chance, but if there's a chance that something is here, I'm gonna let myself go and see what happens. It's the greatest decision ever. This song starts ringing out. Letting yourself go in this moment was pretty simple. Once I let myself go, the song that was ringing out over and over and over, it was literally being carried by the congregation of 10 to 12,000 people. I'm sure most of them were like you. They came to church or they came to an atmosphere expecting God to show up. Then there were probably a few like me that were trying to resist God showing up. This thing starts ringing out this, I had never heard before, and they start singing this, Alleluia, 
Alleluia. And the presence of God hits. Alleluia, which is praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. Over and over and over for at least an hour straight. The same three words over and over and over. And this giant manifestation of God's presence came over me. I can't explain to you the love that I felt, but I felt like there was not an inch of my body or an inch of my being that wasn't being touched by him. It was like there was a, a blanket or a, a, a garment of love that fit my being and my body perfectly. It was like he just walked up and just put it on me. It was the most beautiful thing ever. And so I've quickly joined into this chorus of just worship and expression to God for what, what I didn't know at the time. I just knew what was happening inside of me was initiated by letting myself go inside. I said, well, I'll just, I'm already here. I'll let myself go. Before you know it, even the fragrance in the room changed. Oh my gosh, something come across my nose. I'm like, what in the world is that? I've never smelled anything like this before. In my, in my spirit, I knew it was the presence of God. Like, okay, that's too far from me, Pastor. You have to back it up. I can't back it up. I cannot, I cannot dumb down my experience with the Lord to meet our theology. I have to be willing to be offended by the Lord at any moment and any time. My theology is constantly on the altar of, Lord, you can mess it up if it means going after more of who you are. And all, to, all of a sudden, like, the, the atmosphere changes and the smell changes, and it was this beautiful thing, and I stepped into this moment of becoming what I believe we're all designed to be, and that is worshipers. We're all designed, there's, there's a call on every single one of our lives, it's what we've made to do, Born-again children of God are made and designed to worship. The ones that haven't made Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, actually don't know it yet, but they're also born to worship. That night, I ultimately gave my life to Jesus, and since that moment, worship has been a vital, vital, vital piece of my relationship with God. And I'm sure that there's a lot of other people in the room that would say the same thing about your relationship, but today I just wanna give you a tiny bit of a glimpse into some of the things within worship that I land on. And I, I'm just believing that the Holy Spirit wants to wake you up in the area. I believe he wants to wake me up in the area. We have to always be in this process of becoming. We ought to always be turning over the ground and the soil of our hearts to figure out, is there a way that I can get better at being good soil so that the, the word of God and the things of God are planted in me and they actually bear fruit that the people around me can eat. We have to always be in this process of becoming. Worship is and is not a lot of things. Worship is essential to the life of every single believer. Plain and simple. Worship is the heart's response to all that Jesus has done for you. Worship is a weapon. It's a weapon, and worship, maybe more than ever, unto Jesus is needed in the world, because it literally continues to shine light on the goodness of who he is, 
off of my situation onto who he is, off of the situation around me onto who he is, off of mandates and onto who he is, off of economy and onto who he is. Worship constantly keeps me in the right place. Worship is not this. Worship is not a gift given to some by God, by Jesus, or by the Holy Spirit. Talents are placed in people's lives. People that choose to use their talents, like musicians or singers, that use their talent to worship, that's when they step into being worshipers. But they're not gifted in the area of worship. They're gifted in the area of music. Or they're talented in the area of music. They turned that then into, yes, Lord, you can use it for worship. So I don't want you to, I want you to actually stop if you are. If you're, if you're comparing your ability to worship to their ability to worship, don't do that. Their ability is no different than yours. They can sing better than you. They can sing better than me, thank God. But the gift on their life or the call on their life to worship is no different than the ones that's on you and in this room. So worship is not a gift that's given by God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. Worship is also not for you. But it benefits you. It isn't for you, but it benefits you. And worship is not the simplicity of just singing songs. That's why we have concerts. First John chapter four, verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal or everlasting life. In Romans chapter five, verse six through 11, it says this, when we were utterly helpless. You ever been in that place? You ever been utterly helpless at the end of yourself? Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in the wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. While we were still his enemies, while we were still sinners, while we were utterly helpless, Jesus gave us everything. I propose to you that you owe him everything. You owe him everything. You owe him everything in every single moment, whether you're in this building, whether you're at home. And I, can I say this? I pray and I hope that worship is happening alone with the Lord in your home and not just here on a Sunday. You are stepping outside of some things. You are stepping into a flesh more than you're stepping into a spirit. If your greatest expression of worship happens in this room and not at your home. Start at home, 
and let it overflow into here. We owe him everything. Worship is the proper response to the life that Jesus laid down for us. We shouldn't necessarily worship, we shouldn't necessarily worship for something. We should worship from something. My worship shouldn't be for that thing. It should be from this place of thankfulness and gratitude and, and, and humility for what he, we just read, did for us in these scriptures. It's not for what's in his hand. It's so that we get to see his face. His face representing his character and his nature, his presence, his hand representing his works and the blessing. Oftentimes I think we get into these moments where life is coming at us so fast that I'm worshiping you, God, because I want that thing that's in your hand. And sometimes he's like, you know what, that's totally fine. You can have what's in my hand. I'd rather give you what's here and I'd rather give you the person of who I am and my character and my nature because it will show you how to have and obtain all the things that you think that you want. Actually, they'll be better. He says that he does exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ask, think, hope, or imagine. So worship should be this place where I'm looking, I'm, I'm simply just looking at Jesus. Some of you might say this. Let me rephrase that. I bet none of you in this room say this. Sorry that I associated with you, a group of people that maybe you don't fit with. I tried worship. It just doesn't really do much for me. That's you, just look straight ahead. It's okay. I tried, I tried worship for a couple weeks. It just, it just really didn't do anything for me. It's not supposed to necessarily do something for you, FYI. There's a, there's a way that you can check your heart pretty good, an indicator of what your heart's position is as it pertains to worship. It's found in the statement like this. One, worship just doesn't do anything for me. Or, I just can't seem to get into worship. Maybe you perfectly time, maybe you perfectly time your arrival to church because worship might almost be over. <laughs> God, I just can't handle it. Worship is more than songs and it's more than singing. You can disagree with the type of music. Of course, if you're at this church and you've been here for any, point of, any amount of time, you, you probably have pushed past that. And if you're a first time guest, welcome. I might have blew past that. This is not how we normally do things, but this is how we're doing them today. Bless you. But worship is not this singing of songs, it's this posture of heart. So if you say things like, worship just doesn't do anything for me, or I just can't get into worship, it might be an indicator that your heart's position is in the wrong place. I know people that, and myself, that can just get straight wild listening to, you could start naming current artists that I wouldn't know the names of, but I would say yes, I bet people get wild to their music. Like, there are, there are lots of times where we're moved by songs and we're moved by music and we're stoic in our expression to the Father. I'm not bringing condemnation. I'm just saying that the Lord is worth all that you have. The Lord is worth all that you have. If worship was for you, then 
a statement like what I just made would be true. But the last time that I, I checked, none of us actually gave themselves for those that were in disagreement with them. No, none of us in this room have ever given ourselves completely up for someone that we would call our enemy. Worship is simply not for us. There's this moment when I enter into worship. This is where worship isn't for me, but it benefits me. When I enter in these places of worship and my heart is overflowing with thankfulness and gratitude. And, and can I tell you this? Th worship from that place in your heart where you're overwhelmed with thankfulness and gratitude should not happen only in seasons of blessing. They gotta happen in the season of blessing or in the season of a curse, quote unquote. You're not cursed. Jesus died for the curse. He's been made alive, so you're alive. But in these moments where you feel like you've been abandoned by the Lord, that's when you worship. In the moments when you're waiting for the blessing, that's when you worship. And when you get the blessing, and you walk in the thing that you're after, you still are in this place of worship. Worship is 360. It doesn't ever stop. It's 365. It never quits. We've got to be these kinds of people that don't fall away from the Lord in times of blessing and only fall into him in times where we're in lack. Jesus wants all that you have. He wants, he wants your blessing. He wants your worship. And that is a blessing unto him. I was, I was reminded of, a, of a, a vision that I had of this room. It was so awesome. This, this roof wasn't here. This is a vision. This roof was gone. It was the back wall, the side walls, the sanctuary. Everything else was the same. Everything was 100% normal. The roof was just off. All of a sudden, I see this giant foot come and land here. It's huge but it didn't hurt anybody. And then another foot on this side. And in this dream, I'm like, I knew it was Jesus. And he literally sat, if you could picture it, he literally sat on the back wall. He just sat down. No roof on this, no ceiling in this building. And I'm like, what in the world is happening? He said, I heard my name in worship, so I figured I'd come sit where my name was being lifted up. And every time I walk into the sanctuary, I picture Jesus' feet and us getting to worship at Jesus' feet and him sitting in the place where his name is constantly being lifted up, constantly pouring out our affections, constantly pouring out our praise, constantly pouring out our hearts to Jesus. I love that about Jesus, because when you, when you offer your heart in this place of thankfulness and gratitude for what he's done for you, it's not for you, but it, but it benefits you, and it benefits you in this way, him coming. He literally comes into that place where his name is being lifted up, and he makes, he abides in the place where his worship is being poured out. I love that about the Father, and that's when you and I get the benefit of worship. It's like, well, I didn't get that thing in his hand, but you actually got him. And if you have him, what else do you need? I was talking with a, with a, with a guy between services. He said, man, I had the most radical encounter with God that I've ever had during the first service. One of the most amazing manifestations of the presence of God that I've ever had. And he said, I'm gonna condense this. He said, Basically, the gist of it was, 
is that he sees the Lord slide a cup across the table that was just covered in jewels and gold and it was just this, and he said, I knew it was the king's cup. And I, and I literally backed up and said, no, that's that, not yet, Lord. That's not for me. And then he, and then he, then, then, then Jesus picked it up and put it up to his lips and poured it and he drank. And he said, you drink from the king's cup because you're the king's son. And the king's son always has access to the king's cup. This is, this is this transaction, this is this moment with the Lord when I'm coming and I'm giving him my affections and my heart and I'm coming from this place of humility where it's like, if I didn't have you, I'd had nothing. And he literally shows up on my behalf, much like he showed up on his behalf. I love, I love this about, about Jesus. Worship is also this. Worship is a weapon. How many of y'all need a weapon right now? How many need a weapon to fight the battle or the war that's going on in your life? Show me your hand. How many of you are in some sort of battle or in some sort of war? Just come on, just participate with me. How many of you are dealing with a lie that the enemy's tried to tell you over and over and over and over? Or you're dealing with something in your body where there's sickness or disease that's trying to infiltrate your body. Most of us in this room, when I asked that question, could have raised our hands. And I'm just gonna define this, a war or a battle in your life is raging in any, any, in any area where you're not experiencing heaven on earth. Let that be your level of tolerance for the enemy. Well, my daughter's running a fever. Yeah, it's this flu season. No, it actually doesn't matter. Because he said that I could pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning the reality of heaven should be changing our reality every single day on the earth. If I believe that he said, it's for your benefit that I go, for if I don't go, I won't send the helper to you. And then also then he goes on to say, the things that I've done, they were fantastic, but greater works will you do because I go unto the Father. If I believe those things, then fevers don't just get to hang out because it's flu season. Worship is a weapon. Second Chronicles chapter 20, it's one of, the, one of the coolest stories in the Bible. So just to give you a quick snapshot before we jump into the scripture, uh, Jehoshaphat, he is literally the king of Judah and there's three different groups of people, three people groups that are coming to wage war against, against Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, um, there's literally just this, this battle raging and so he goes into this moment and uh, he, he's talking to the, the Spirit of the Lord shows up. And so this is 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 23. I want you to pay attention to a few things that I'll point out in just a moment. Now, for the sake of y'all and the sake of me, I'm not reading any of these names. It says, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon that guy who was the son of that other guy, the son of that other guy, the son of that other guy, who was also then the son of another guy. And he said this, that son of that other guy, he said this, listen all of you, listen, listen to all you of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, 
King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it is God. I'm gonna speak this over you. Do not be afraid or dismayed because of the great multitude or the great war that you're, that's raging against you, for the battle is not yours, but it is God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up from the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerul. You will not need to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. For tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and its inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Verse 20, so they arose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you will prosper. Verse 21, and when he had Consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army, they were singing, praise the Lord, his mercy endures forever. Verse 22, now when they had begun to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Sair, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Sair and to utterly destroy them. I'm sorry, to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. This is a crazy transaction because what happens literally is the Lord starts speaking to this king and he says, don't, don't worry about this battle. It's not yours, it's mine. Do these things. Position yourself Stand still and then watch or see your salvation. I think sometimes all we have to do is position ourselves and say, I'm going to worship you no matter what. I'm going to be calm. I'm going to rest in the peace that you promised me. And then I'm going to wait until I watch you save me. So they do this. And then, and then this king literally puts one of the worst battle plans ever on the face of the earth together. He sends people that don't have weapons to the front lines. All they have is a song and an ability to praise. Like, what are you doing? You're literally offering them up as sacrifices. And the Lord's like, yeah, I know, because I always consume sacrifice. Did you know that the first time I was told this, the first time that the, the word worship was mentioned in scripture was in the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac? He, Abraham told his servant, stay here, while we go worship the Lord. And then what happened in this moment when he's going to sacrifice his son? Obviously, God provides something to stand in the gap. Such a beautiful story. But these worshipers are sent forth, and as they begin to sing this song, and as they begin to press in, and as they begin to praise the Lord, it says that God literally comes down and shakes things up in the enemy's camp, causes confusion so that 
these two tribes literally start ganging up on the other tribe whom they're actually coming alongside of to overthrow this, this king in Judah and Jerusalem. They destroy this group of people. Then they turn on themselves and destroy each other. So that the only thing that is left is the people of God. Worshippers were initiated on the front lines of battle and it changed the outcome of a battle. What happened after that is it says that it took them three days. It took the people of God three days to gather all of the goods, the silver, the gold, the jewelry, all of the possessions of those that were coming against them. It took them three days to gather it all up. And I propose to you that God has so much more for the enemy to repay you of He's waiting for you to stand in this place of saying, let me fight your battles for you. Just worship me. Oh, he stole this from me. He stole your peace. He stole your joy. He stole your health. Just worship me and see what I make him have to do. I'll cause such a confusion that you'll walk away with far more than you ever expected. Position yourself. Stand still and watch. Worship is a giant and mighty weapon this has become very, very true for us in our house. I think I've shared this story maybe a couple times, but uh, it's been about three years ago. My daughter, who's 12, she was dealing with uh, just extreme terror at nighttime. She, was, she hated going to bed. I remember the first night she, we sent her to go to bed, and I didn't know that there was anything wrong, and she comes back out of her room, and she is just overwhelmed with emotion. She's hysterically crying, and she says, Dad, um, she... she She's a feeler. She experiences God in a lot of different ways all the time. Like in the first service, she's like, Dad, he touched me in three places. This area, this area, this area, and they're all areas that she's been dealing with stuff in. And she, she just knows when God's close. And the enemy knows our strengths. And so he comes to attack the strength. And so he shows up in her room to this point where she, she could feel and sense and actually saw footsteps on her carpet. Now, as a dad, in the moment, I could say, maybe you didn't see that. You're tired. It's been a long day. Just go to sleep. I'll come check on you in a minute. It'll be fine. So I said, well, show me where they are. We go in the room. She's like, it was right here. It was standing right here. And I said, okay, right, like this. Do I need to scoot over? And she's like, no, right there. So I stood as her dad, and I worshiped in that spot until I felt peace, and she felt peace come in her room. And then she went to sleep. Next night, comes back, same thing. Next night, comes back, same thing. This happens four or five times in a row to the moment where, and then this happened with my son just about a year and a half ago, same situation. Someone shared that there's a, a, a man that's dressed in black with a white scary mask on that comes and visits kids in the nighttime. That was all he needed to hear. He was not going to sleep. Same thing, comes in and just freaking out. Both times, like I did the same thing. But then there was this moment when I had to put my children on the front line of a war. Because there was a war for their peace. There was a war for their joy. There was a war for their position as sons and daughters of Jesus. And the enemy was waging the war. So as dad, I come up with the best plan. I said, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna go into your room. I don't wanna be in my room, it's scary. You're gonna go into your room. I showed you how to fight the battle, now go win. And one, 
Every night they would go in there and they would literally, I would hear Presley in her room, worship music blaring as loud as she could get it, praying and speaking in tongues, she does that, and worshiping until she felt peace. Same thing with my son, Bryden. His was a little in more intense. His lasted a couple weeks. I had to walk with him a little ways. Same thing. Go in your room. I know you're crying and I know you're scared, but I believe the moment that you submit this to the Lord and you start worshiping, everything's gonna change. Worship is a weapon. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've experienced it with my own eyes. I've experienced it with my kids. And I'm inviting you, I believe the Lord is inviting you on a journey of worship. You know, Renew Life Church exists in large part, obviously, God is, is so, so good to us. But way, way, way back when, probably 2012, our senior pastor, Braden, uh, was laying on, a, well, laying on the stage, not here, it was a different building, was laying on the stage, we weren't even a Renew Life Church yet, laying on the stage and just was pressing into God and worshiping God. And in this moment, as he's worshiping and as he's laying in the stage in the dark sanctuary, he felt like the Lord laid down next to him. And I'm sure it's somewhere on YouTube and you can go get the full detail. But he had this radical encounter with God in, in this moment, or with Jesus. And in this moment, Jesus imparted to him a message that he felt like it was a message that he was supposed to carry and teach for years to come. And a lot of things happened after that. God's favor was on a lot of things after that. But because of his obedience and his willingness to just say, you know what, I'm going to set myself in a place where I'm just going to worship the Lord. I believe that it paved the way for you and I to be in this building. Now, obviously, God's hand worked amazing things, but that was a huge part of us getting to be here. And I'm so thankful for, for, for people, but also leaders that are willing to just say, you know what, this is who I'm designed to be, and so therefore I will be a worshiper. And so we wanna invite you into a journey of worshiping with us. We have seen amazing things happen at Renew Life Church. We've kind of been known, I should say, as a worshiping culture, and I'm gonna invite the team back up. Um, but if, you're, if you need, some, if you need some, some weaponry, if you're dealing with something, I, I want you to, in the moment, I want you to shift your perspective off of your situation and put it solely on Jesus. I believe that Jesus wants to show up on your behalf today. I believe that, that he is worth everything that we have. And so I'm gonna ask you to just go ahead and, and stand with me. I know this is quite a bit different than what we normally do. Um, it's okay, I think it's gonna be all right. Um, we are not going to dive into communion. I'm not gonna, we're not gonna lead communion from the stage, but what we are gonna ask is, um, when you're ready, I think that communion is a great element of worship. I use communion, I use prayer in my times of worship with the Lord, especially for the simple fact that communion is literally us reminding ourselves of all that Jesus did for us. Yes. What better time to do it than in a time of worship? So I'm just gonna tell you, if you have elements, you can lead your family, you can lead yourself, you can lead a group of people around you. I saw in the first service there were people that didn't know each other sitting next to each other. I looked over, they're literally sharing communion together. In this time of worship, I'm gonna ask you, I'm just gonna ask you to go for it in the best way that you can. I believe that self-consciousness uh, and the fear of man is one of the greatest hindrances to worship because it gets us in this place where we're 
Are they looking at me? If they are, what are they seeing? If they are, what are they thinking? And what are they saying? I get that. But I believe that the fear of man is squelching passion for the king. And he's worth all that we have. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com. 